Now I'm ready to teach. Are you ready to learn? Let's go. So let me pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We bless you. We honor you. We lift you up. There is no one like you. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we bless your name from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. You are worthy. And we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into all truth. And so we ask for your illumination right now that any place that we are in error, any place that we are in deception, that truth would come. Enlighten us and we receive your truth. And we declare that we agree with your word that anytime that we can see, hear, and understand, we should, shall be converted and we shall be healed. And we declare that the word is changing us now. And we believe that we receive it in Jesus name. I want you to make that confession. I'm going to use what Pastor Chris says. Today, I need your energy. Today, I need your excitement about the word. And I want you to say this in the comments. I want you to say the word is changing me right now. I want you to get your expectation up that every time you read a devotional, every time you hear a word, every time you talk to the Holy Spirit, you are changing. You are becoming more and more like Christ. Because it's important for us to realize that God is not interested in just making you a better version of you. He is not interested in making me a better version of me. He is interested in us looking like Christ. Till Christ be fully formed. The goal is for Christ to be fully formed. And I think that that is so important, guys, because I think that when we don't understand that the goal is for Christ to be fully formed, formed. We can be so excited that we can get stagnant just because we've made progress. So we're excited just because we don't cuss people out anymore. We're excited just because we don't fornicate anymore. But the goal we remember in the beginning, we were created in the image of likeness of God. And the word is designed to cause us to look like Christ. And so it's important for us to realize that our mamas are not the standard. Our daddies are not the standard. Our pastors are not the standard. And our old self is not the standard. The goal is to look like Christ. Now, I'm going to have you comment a lot today because I need to make sure you're engaged. But I need you to put in the comments, say, I want to look like Christ. We have to begin to develop that in our hearts that we actually want to look like Christ. Now, I'm starting a new series today, and that new series is called Kingdom Alignment. Kingdom Alignment is the new series that I'm starting today. And it's, this really is a series that's a carryover from the, it, it's a carryover from there is a Christ for that. We had a powerful time in that. We recently concluded a series called There is a Christ for That. And the purpose of that series was to turn our attention to the reality that no matter what we are facing, Christ is the answer. There is a Christ for that. During that series, we examine the many different ways that the anointing is designed to help us overcome the enemy, the flesh and life's challenges. I'm going to repeat that. During the series, so go back and listen to the series again. We talked about the many ways that the anointing is designed to help us overcome the enemy, overcome our flesh, and overcome life's challenges. Now, we did not come close to fully discussing everything the anointing can do in our lives because there is no greater power book power available to change our lives and we literally cannot exhaust the power of God. 
However, as my apostle Cynthia Brazen often says, we don't exhaust the teaching. We just move on to the next subject. So we've given you a good foundation and there is a Christ for that. And so we encourage you to continue to dive in the word and to learn all of the freedom and the power that is available to you through Jesus Christ. This next series is really just the next step in our journey. How many of you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, put a one in the comments. You've accepted Jesus as your personal savior. Now, let me say this as we get into the teaching. Um, yesterday, be sure to like and tag and share the post, put it in your story, do all of that different stuff. So yesterday, as I was preparing um, the lesson, I found an interesting statistic. And the interesting statistic said this. It said two in five people who identify as Christians said that their Christianity does not impact the way they live their daily life. What? So two in five. And it was interesting because I was talking to Canaan about that, who's 16, and she said something interesting. She was like, I don't think they can know Jesus. She was like, because if you believe in Jesus, how does Jesus not impact your daily decisions? And then I was reminded of the scripture that said that even demons believe. So it's we aren't just called to believe in Jesus. We are called to follow Jesus. He called us to be disciples. And so as we were driving over this morning, Pastor Edwin and I was talking and we were saying that one of the things that we think we overdo, we overdo sometimes in church is that we make assumptions that because of people are in church that they actually know Jesus. And I want you to know that you can be very familiar with church and not know Jesus at all. And I also want to challenge you that if Jesus is not impacting your decisions, if you can sleep with who you want to sleep with without thinking about Jesus, if you can go where you want to go and say what you want to say and do what you want to do and live your life the way that you want to live, I want you to make sure that you don't just have the same kind of belief that demons do, that you know Jesus exists, but you are not actually a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Now, this is really important because once we know the power of Christ, it is our job to both walk in that power and tell the world about it. We are supposed to be followers of Christ. Can you put that in the comments? We are supposed to be followers of Christ. The anointing is not just for us to get stuff. The anointing will give us many things. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in health. He wants us to live well. But he also wants us to be ambassadors that represent Christ. And I think the disconnect for a lot of people is that Christianity has become very individualized when it's actually supposed to be a family, right? So the anointing is not just for us. The anointing is for the world, guys. It's designed to bring all men to Christ and to bring all out of the grasp of the enemy. God wants our hearts in alignment with his. He wants us to care about his kingdom agenda. He wants us to recognize that soul winning, discipleship, and deliverance and healing were never meant to be left in the hands of just church leadership. Let me pause. Let me say that again. 
He wants us to realize that soul winning, discipleship, deliverance, and healing were never supposed to just be left in the hands of the church leadership. What does that mean in FOC? It means that you're supposed to be following Christ in such a way that you're doing the work of Christ. It was never just supposed to be that me, Pastor Elwin, and Pastor Ralph, and Minister Chandra, and Pastor Chris, and, and, and Pastor Nitra, that we're out doing all the work. It was never supposed to be that. We're supposed to come into the kingdom. We're supposed to get to know Christ. And we are supposed to get busy about our father's business. So this this, this lesson, this series is about kingdom alignment. And here is the question I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Because I'm, have you ever asked yourself a question and your answer was different than the Holy Spirit? You rated yourself a little bit above. I certainly have. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, am I about the Father's business? Am I about the Father's business? Have I, am I aligned with the Father's business? Every single believer is called to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. And that includes you. You are not an exemption. You are not too busy. You are not too um, broken. You are not too bogged down. Every one of us is supposed to be about the father's business. That includes you. You have been enlisted and commissioned for duty. You have a role to play and there are lives that are dependent on your yes. There are lives that are dependent on your yes. I need y'all to share this. I need you to engage. I need you to allow this word to impact you. The sad reality is that most believers don't care about the lost, discipleship, or the kingdom. The sad reality is that most believers don't care about the loss, discipleship, or the kingdom. We treat salvation with the I got mine, you get yours kind of attitude. We treat salvation with the I got mine, you get yours kind of attitude. What does this mean? Now that I'm saved, I am interested in how God is going to favor me. I am interested in how God is going to bless me. I am interested in how God is going to promote me. I am interested in how God is going to heal me. I am interested in how God is going to deliver me. And whether you are saved, whether you are delivered, whether you know Jesus, whether you are filled with the Holy Spirit really isn't my problem. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Do we really care about the father's business or do we care about what the father's business provides for us? And this series is really designed to allow us to shift. Everybody say shift to let us to shift into this mindset that, yes, we are so thankful to be saved. We are so thankful for the anointing to prosper. We are so thankful for the ability to be healed. But it is not all about us. And we have been enlisted and commissioned for our father's business. And we need to get about our father's business. Let me ask y'all a question. How many of you on a day-to-day -day basis on the news or what you see on social media or what you even see in your own town and city makes you say the world needs Jesus? How many of you can look and see the utter chaos that the world needs Jesus. 
My question to you is, what are you doing about? I know that what we're good at doing is sharing posts and going, man, in this crazy. But what are you doing about it? This is a question I asked the other day on a pop-up. Do you even know if your neighbors are saved? Have you ever prayed for your neighborhood? Have you prayed for your children's school? I don't just mean that there's not a school shooter, but that all of those kids would have an encounter that they would know Jesus. Or is your work in Christianity just about what you're going to get next? And I submit to you that maybe we're out of integrity with Matthew 6 and 33 that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all the things will be added to us. Maybe if we were more concerned about the things that God is concerned about, so many believers wouldn't struggle with things. Maybe we wouldn't have to spend so much time saying, God, Will you help me? Will you promote me? Will you increase me? Will you favor me? If we were like, God, will you position me? See, because most of us get up today and we want to know, God, what are you going to do for me? God, how are you going to increase me? Is this helping y'all? I need y'all to talk because I know this is heavy. I need your hearts to fire all of this different stuff. I know that some of you may be in, may feel like you need to fade to black. You just want to leave. You just want a message to tell you blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing. But what about the people that don't know him? What about the people that are addicted? What about the people that are in bondage? What about the people that have been praying to get out of bad situations? And if you were more alert, God could have used you to speak to them in Walmart, speak to them at the gas station, but you were so consumed with yourself. Basically, this is what Jesus says to us. Give your life to me and I will take care of you. You get concerned about what I'm concerned about, which is building the kingdom. Here's another question you can ask the Holy Spirit. Am I building my kingdom or yours? And I want you to hear this. That does not mean that you don't want to do good stuff. But are you building your kingdom or his kingdom? Why do you want that increase? Why do you want that promotion? Why do you want the things that you want? Are you interested in the kingdom of God? I believe that God is staring us out of this place that we are so consumed with ourselves that we and the cares of our own world that we don't think much about in the eternity. Pastor Ellen will tell you that one of the things that I say all the time is that if we really had a revelation that hell was real, there is no way we could be so passive about so many people going to hell. If we really believe that after this life, if we didn't believe, and I'm going to say this, and some of y'all may get in your little feelings and your little chest, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The other day, you guys know that Tina Turner passed away. And there was this meme that was kind of distasteful about Ike looking in heaven and from heaven calling Tina in saying, come on, anime, and people were laughing. And, and what was interesting is that people said, um, there is no way that I could be in heaven, except how do you go to heaven, guys? What is the access into, in, into the kingdom? The access into, into the kingdom is through Jesus Christ. We must believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. So not just we believe he's a good prophet, not just we believe that he's a good man, not just we believe that he's a historical figure. No, we believe that God wrapped himself in flesh came to the earth and paid a penalty that we could not pay. Yes? 
Yes, is that what we believe? That's what we believe. So I'm watching believers argue, believers, people who identify as believers argue that there is no way that I could be in heaven and Tina would be in heaven. And I'm not trying to be funny, but everybody knows that unless Tina changed in the last part of her life, she was a Buddhist. I believe we have deceived ourselves into believing that because Jesus is love and God is love, that hell is not still a real place. I believe that's why we can walk past our family, know that they are lost, know that they are living in bondage and say, I got mine, you get yours. I believe that it's the reason that we can drive down our street and never think to pray about anybody else because we're so consumed with praying for ourselves. I think that's why we can be in church for 15 years and never ever win one person to Christ because I don't think we have any revelation that when this is over, there is an eternity that that we will live in. And I believe that God is staring us out of that place because he loves the world, the entire world. He doesn't just love Sean Strickland. He loves the entire world and he wants the world to be saved. Let's look at 2 Peter 3, um, 3 and 9. What does it say? This is we're, we're using a lot of scriptures in the New Living Translation today. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Everyone to repent. Now, y'all know I'm a teacher. I done got that from my husband, Kristen. If you're a born again believer, you're no longer a wretch. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why, do, why is that important? Because once we have been saved, we must stop identifying as things that God does not identify us as anymore. You were a sinner and a wretch before you accepted Jesus. After that, you are a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why is this important? So many reasons. One, let's not minimize what Jesus did on the Christ, on the cross. Say this, he made me new. Everybody say that, he made me new. Two, if I see myself as a wretch, then I am going to be sin conscious. No, I am righteous conscious. And the way that I come out of sin is that I no longer identify as being a wretch, being a sinner, being a whore, being a liar, being a cheat. I am a new creation. That's the beauty of what Jesus did for us. He made me new. So when I know he made me new, I begin to get up and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I begin to live new. So I can confidently say to the crack addict today, come to Jesus. He can deliver you. He can make you new. I can confidently say to the person who has been molested, come to Jesus. He can make you new. How do I know? Because he made me new. So in 2 Peter 2, it te, um, 2, 2 Peter 3, it tells us salvation, Jesus is not slow in coming back just to be slow. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. God wants everyone saved. Can you put that in the comments? God wants everyone saved. Are y'all getting something from this teaching? God wants everybody saved.
So if I care about the father's business, what else do I have to want? I got to want everybody saved. I, I have to care. Now, I may not lead everybody to Christ, but I got to care. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. It says, so we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for God, for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. The, our message should not be to people, come to Jesus, he'll pay your bills. Come to Jesus, he will. Come to Jesus, he'll heal your body. He will. It should be come back to God so you can be made new and you don't end up in eternal damnation. God wants everyone saved. I believe God wants to lead us in revival. Well, before he leads us in revival, he's got to lead us in repentance. What do we need to repent for? I hope this really resonates with you. If it, as it resonates with you, you can just lift your hand up. What do we need to repent for? We need to repent because repent doesn't mean to be sorry. Repent means to change directions. It means to change direction. So what do we need to repent for? Number one, we need to repent for not aligning our agenda with the kingdoms. We need to repent for that. We need to repent for not caring about souls enough to get in the fight of faith. We need to repent for our lack of intercession and we need to repent for our apathy. We need to repent for our apathy. Oh, God, forgive us for being apathetic. Forgive us for living life our own way. Because I want you to hear me. Some of you, do you live a good life? Are you trying to be good people? Yes, but you don't care about the kingdom agenda. It doesn't matter to you if people are saved. You, 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 and, and, and here's an example. Um, let me keep going. Some of you may feel a heart prick when I'm saying this, but a heart prick isn't repentance. You know, I love what Pastor Edwin said in Relations 101, and he was talking about in the last Relations 101, and he was saying how many times when we have messed up, we want to apologize to feel better. So I just want to say, if, 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 if Pastor Ellen doesn't like something I did, I want to say, babe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But the truth of it is, is that being sorry isn't the same thing as repentance. Because if I'm sorry that I stepped on his foot every day for the last 30 days and I get up tomorrow and step on his foot again, did I repent? So you may be feeling a heart prick and I'm thankful for your heart prick, but I'm not interested in your heart prick unless it goes to repentance. God, I hear what you're saying. I hear how apathetic I've been. I hear how consumed I've been with my own life. I recognize that I haven't let you teach me how to minister to people. I, let, I realize that I have put the responsibility on other people. I realize that, man. I realize that. And yes, I'm pricked, but I'm not just interested in being pricked. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change. 
We got to turn around. Tell your neighbor, turn around. I'm not saying this means we've been living foul. I am going to say this, but some of you have. But some of you have, and you need to repent for that because the reality of it is you cannot win people to Christ living like the world. You cannot win people to Christ living like the world. He says, come out, be separate. Now, everybody hasn't been living foul, but those of you who have been living foul, you need to repent. Why? Because you are bad advertisement for the kingdom. Pastor Elwin preached this message years ago, probably 20 years ago. What, what's the title of that message, babe? Don't, don't advertise if you can't deliver. And many of you, you are professing Christ and you are bringing shame and mockery to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know y'all saints don't like these new mess, this old school message. I know everybody just want to hear, run around, tap your neighbor. You about to come into your millionaire status. But I am telling you that some of you, you are a bad advertisement for the Lord Jesus Christ because your life does not look like you know Jesus. Now, I know you're about to get in your chest, but let's stay on your chest because I'm going to keep telling y'all this. I'm going to keep telling you this. The Bible does not say God, can, only God can judge me. Tupac said that. That is not what, God didn't say that. In fact, the Bible tells me that when I see somebody who identifies as a believer, living like they're not a believer, that I have a responsibility to say to them, you aren't representing Christ well. And we have falsely taught this Christianity that Kim doesn't have the right to tell me that I don't have any business on Facebook cussing like that. That I don't have any business flirting with somebody else's husband. That I don't have any business walking around in office. That I don't have any business dressing any kind of way. Ooh, this is a good hole in this message today. Listen. We got to grow up. Everybody say grow up. Everybody say grow up. Truthfully, it is our lack of ownership for the kingdom that allows us to live without regard to our choices. Truthfully, it is our disregard for the kingdom that allows us to go any place and not think about how it impacts the gospel. Say anything, engage with anybody. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was saying to them, they had had an interaction with, with, a, with a realtor and they had been real nasty to that realtor. And I'm like, you can't represent Christ like that and talk to that realtor like that. I don't, I don't care how irritated you are. I don't care how mad you are. We represent Christ. I need all 50 y'all to put in the comments. I represent Christ. See, we wash over some of these scriptures that say, my life is not my own. We wash over the scriptures that say, take up your cross and follow me. And we believe that we have been invited into a salvation experience where literally I can just live like I want to live and the rest of you shouldn't say anything. Man, if you see me misrepresenting Christ, somebody ought to say something. And the truth of it is, I believe many of us are going to be held accountable, not just because we didn't say anything, but we're actually co-signing sin. 
We're co-signing sin. Or we, we're like, I don't want to say nothing because I don't want them to get mad at me. Because the truth of it is, I care more about what you think about me than whether God is pleased with me. I care more about what you think about me than whether I am living in a way that allows people to come to Christ. I care more about fitting in. I care more about not being ostracized than I care about saying, listen, you may not like what I'm saying to you, but I don't think you know Jesus. You may not like what you you may not like what I'm saying to you, but I don't want you to die and go to hell. I do not want you to die and go to hell. When the last time y'all had a hell message? Nobody want to talk about that. But the truth of it is hell wasn't made for humans, but humans who reject Jesus will go to eternal damnation. Listen, if you saw somebody about to run into a fire, wouldn't you try to snatch them out? Every day we live a passive lifestyle. Every day we live a, that we live a carnal lifestyle. Every day that we know this goodness of the kingdom and we stay silent, it is like watching people run into a burning building. <laughs> no, do you want to go to hell? Heck no, right? According to Barna Research, just over one in four Christians um, is, is being discipled. Another 28% are being discipled, but they aren't helping anybody else grow to Christ. Only 5% of people are both being discipled and also discipling people. Did you hear that? So if we got 100 Christians, only five of those Christians are also being discipled and also discipling others. We got a large portion of the people who not being discipled at all. And that's why we got people who've been in the kingdom for 30 years and they still drinking milk and they still making the same. They still making the same. I, I said to Ellen just today, I said, we've been married 29 years. In 29 years, I have watched him walk with the Lord. In 29 years, I have watched him grow and become. If we can't see the growth in your life, should we not have a conversation about whether you ever met it? In, in, in 20 years, in 20 years, there's no growth. You still cussing people out. You still sleeping with people, husband. You still ain't tithing. You, 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 you still don't think you're supposed to serve in church. You still messy. We ought to see growth. And then we ought to be helping other people grow. Christianity is not a hands-off approach. Everybody else gets it the way they get it. Christianity is also not a place where you come and everybody pours into you and you don't pour. Everybody should be receiving the poor and everybody should be pouring. We should be growing and helping others grow. And we must normalize a culture of discipleship where you can both be corrected and you can correct. Uh, according to LifeWay, only 10% of Christians share the gospel on a monthly basis. And I want y'all to hear this. Don't get, don't get in your feelings. Saying God is good on a post is not sharing the gospel. That's number one. There's so many people who say God that don't know Jesus. Sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel is the message of Jesus Christ that all men are sinners, that all men are entitled to eternal damnation, 
that Jesus was God in the flesh who came and dealt with sin and that anybody who believes in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then, because this is where I think we drop the, this is where we drop the ball. We say, come, accept Jesus. And then take up your cross and follow him. Crucify your flesh. Live in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I cannot earn my salvation. You hear what I'm about to say? I cannot earn salvation, but I should respond to salvation. How about that? I can't earn it. Jesus had to come to give me salvation. I could not make enough sacrifices. I could not live good enough, but I should have a response to salvation. And a response to salvation should be a righteous and holy life. I can't earn salvation. I could never do enough to earn it. That's why I desperately need Jesus. But I should respond to salvation. Ask your neighbor, have you responded to salvation? I should respond to salvation. If I really get to thinking about how I was on my way to hell because I was born into sin because of what Adam did and one man sin, Adam, put the whole world under the condemnation of sin and the wages of sin is death and God thought enough of me to wrap himself in flesh, to come and live in his humanity and to show me the way back and to give me the opportunity. There is no way in the world that I could really know him and not grow and become. There must be a response to salvation have we responded to salvation one of the things I love about going to the black alumni reunion is that people who used to know me in college always say this we know you really saved it is one of the best compliments I have to what God is doing in my life we know you really saved we know who you were in college does your family think you're really saved do your coworkers think you really saved? Are you still out here not responding to salvation so you have a double life? So on your desk, you got a thing that say blessed and highly favored, but in the meetings, you messy. Have we responded? Joel 2 and 13 in the New Living Translations, it says, don't tear your clothing when you hear this message. Tear your hearts instead. No, 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 don't tear your clothing. Don't go, oh, I can't. No, no, tear your heart. Put that in the comments. Tear your heart. Tear your heart. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to tear your heart. He says, you got to tear your heart. He says, tear your heart and return to the Lord. For he is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing. No, don't tear your clothes. Don't fall down on the floor and roll around. He said, no, tear your heart. Tear your heart. What is that about? That's another level of surrender. So goals of this series, we just getting into the goals of this series. Is this blessing you? Don't tear your clothing with grief. Tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God. For he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and fill with unfailing love. Come on, Kim. Don't do the outward thing. Many of you have played church long enough. Don't do the outward thing. Tear your heart. Bring your, Jesus gave you his whole self. Bring your whole self to him. Not just your Sunday morning, but you still sexting people that's not your spouse. No, no, bring your whole self. 
Bring your porn addiction. Bring your messy mouth. Bring, bring all of that. Don't tear your clothes. Tear your heart. Return to the Lord. For he is merciful. Thank God for his mercy. The Bible says in Lamentations 4, is it because of his mercies that we are not consumed? Now, I want to talk about what's the point of this series. The goals of this series, number one, we want to birth encounters that lead to genuine repentance and salvation. The purpose of this series is to stare the heart of the people of God. Number one, let's win some souls. And number two, many of you that are living in a backslidden state and a lukewarm state, let's get some genuine repentance and some salvation. That's back to Joel, tear your heart. Number two, what do we want to do in this series? We want to equip FOC with the necessary revelation for a kingdom aligned lifestyle, a kingdom aligned lifestyle. A kingdom aligned lifestyle. I'm bringing my whole life into alignment. You can have anything that's not like you. I wish I had some people that was bold enough to put that out before the Lord put it in the comments. No, you can have anything in my life that's not from you. Anything, anybody, any dream, any desire, any proclivity. If it ain't yours, I don't want it. Number three, stare FOC to have a heart for the kingdom and souls that moves them to win the lost and disciple others. So I want to stare your heart that you say, coach, put me in the game, that you say, God, I'm willing to learn how to win souls. God, I'm willing to intercede and pray and fast one day a week for souls. God, I'm willing to get uncomfortable. God, I'm willing to look like the odd man out. But I want to stare FOC, Pastor Edwin and I we want to stare FOC to have a heart for the kingdom and for souls, a heart that moves you to win the lost and disciple others. It's so interesting because what I don't hear talked about in the lot in the body of Christ a lot, everybody talks about the great falling away, but nobody talks about the end time harvest. The Bible tells us there will be an end time harvest. We should be a part of gathering those souls. It should grieve us that our Lord went to the cross and anybody would go to hell. We should be willing to intercede for people because contrary to popular belief, you didn't just get here on your own. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody believed God for you. Some of you can look back over your life and be like, you weren't thinking about God, but God had somebody thinking about you and that's how you got here. And so I want you to get passionate about the kingdom and souls. I want you to get passionate I want you to tear your heart so your heart grieves over what God's heart must feel like to watch people be lost. Number four, activate FOC to operate in the supernatural power of God, signs, wonders, and miracles. Because if you go go out here and win souls, you got to be willing to pray for people. You got to be willing to cast out devils. You got to be willing to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And then number five, Compel FOC to live a righteous and holy lifestyle that honors God and is a light to the world. 
I want to compel you. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I beseech you. I plead with you. The Apostle Paul in, 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 in Romans, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I am compelling you. Pastor Ellen is compelling you. Pastor Ralph is compelling you to live a righteous and holy lifestyle that honors God and is a light to the world. I am compelling you to come out from among them. I am compelling you from living a schizophrenic life where you are double-minded, blessed and highly favored, and in the club turning up. I am compelling you to live a holy and righteous lifestyle for this is pleasing to the Lord. That's what we want to do in this series. And to me, number five is the cornerstone because you really not going to do the other four until you do number five. I want to live a holy and righteous lifestyle. Tell you, I, I, will you make this confession? I will live holy and righteous. I will live holy and righteous. I was thinking the other day, God made us righteous. Let's live right. He made us righteous. Let's live right. If we was at church, I say, turn and tell your neighbor. He made us righteous. Now let's live right. Let's respond. I will live holy and righteous. I will stop cussing people out. I will stop sleeping with people that's not my spouse. I will stop engaging in pornography. I will stop being messy. I will stop being a liar. I will live righteous and holy for this is pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Let me take a sip of water. Woo. I will live holy and righteous. I will crucify my flesh. I will do the thing that pleases him. I will live holy and righteous. My life is not my own. I don't get to do what I want to do. I think that's the thing. Does anybody know Jesus in his flesh didn't want to go to the cross? You know that that's why in the garden, he was like, if there is any other way beside the cross. And then he says what? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Many of you have never come into a space where you say, not my will, but thy will be done. Yeah, I really want to be with so-and-so, but you said no. Yeah, I really want to live a certain kind of lifestyle, but you said no. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. Can y'all see where that is something that is critically missing out of Christianity? That it is critically missing out of Christianity because we have taught a salvation where Jesus saves you, but you live to yourself. And if you're going to walk with God, you need to hear this. Everybody got some stuff they want to do in their flesh. Everybody got some desires they want to respond to. Our responsibility is to exalt Christ above our flesh. 
You ain't the only person want to cuss somebody out. You're not the only person that wanted to have sex and you're not married. You're not the only person that ever wanted to escape with drugs. You're not the only person who ever had a desire for somebody from the same sex. But you have a responsibility because your life isn't yours. Let's look at God's three-part agenda. God has a three-part agenda. Number one, global harvest that equals souls. Global harvest. Come on, I love that. They put that in the comments. You're not the only one that wants to. So his agenda is a three-part agenda. You need to write this down. Global harvest. Souls. Everybody say souls. God wants souls. He wants people snatched out of darkness, snatched out of hell. Number two, the maturity of the saints. And I apologize on behalf of leadership because we have allowed you to stay babies too long. It's time to put them diapers and them pull-ups up. It's time to get off that Similac and that level one baby food. It is time for the church to mature. And three, transformation of society. Society crazy because the church crazy. Listen, we spend so much time trying to rebuke the world. If you read the scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, repent, turn from their wicked ways, then I would heal their land. How, how does a, a, a powerless church, a rebellious church can't transform a society? Souls, maturity and transformation. All right, let's look at this. Um, where do I want to go now? Let's go to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is who God says you are. It says you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that could not, cannot be hidden. Verse 15, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. He says, you are the light of the world. That is your assignment as a born again believer. No one lights you. He said, I didn't light you for you to live under the lamp of sin. I didn't light you for you to live under the bed of sin. I did not like you for you to live like the world and there not be anything different about you. You are the light of the world. Live as light. Walk in the light. Society is supposed to feel the impact of the church in a way that causes them to recognize the lordship of our Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Society is supposed to feel the impact of the church in a way that causes them to recognize the lordship of our Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 3.17. It says, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord wants to free people from every form of bondage, from eternal damnation, from wrong identity, the Lord, wherever his spirit is, there is freedom. Hear what I'm about to say. There is freedom, not rebellion. And, and the enemy has deceived many of you that you think what you think is freedom is actually rebellion. 
because you're doing things that the world says is freedom, but it's actually in rebellion to God. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's look at 1 John 3 and 8 in the Berean Bible. It says the one practicing sin is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this reason was the son of God revealed so he might destroy the works of the devil. He wants to do, Jesus wants us out here not living under the works of the devil, but destroying the works of the devil, setting the captives free. Let's look at Luke 4, 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Anyone who is living in sin is a captive. Anyone that does not know Jesus is a captive. They have been kidnapped. They have been kidnapped. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Understand that if you are a, if you have not accepted Jesus as your personal savior, you have been kidnapped by the devil. He wants to take you down with him. And Jesus says, no, you don't have to go. If you are a born again believer, still living under the bondage of sin, it is like you got freed from your kidnapper and you went back over there. So literally God snatched you out of the kidnapped state you were in. And you said, child, let me go back over there. Let me go back over there with some fornication. Let me go back over there with some perversion. Let me go back over there with some lying. Don't go back to your kidnapper's house. It's not in the notes, but in Colossians, it says he has translated us out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. <clears throat> I love what Kim says. She said, my God, we have work to do to go and do and rescue the kidnap. But do you know I can't rescue the kidnap if I live as the kidnap? Do you know that? I can't rescue the kidnap if I live as the kidnap. You know, one of the things I always say about Harriet Tubman, you know, Harriet Tubman got free and then she freed others. And the truth of it is, is that many of you, you're wondering why there's not breakthrough with your kids, why there's not breakthrough with your family. You can't fight a devil you walk in covenant with. So that, that's another reason we crucify our flesh because I need the authority that when I pray that heaven must respond to me and hell must retreat. All right. So we're teaching this. We're almost done. Are y'all getting something from this teaching today? I want to tell you what Pastor Edwin and I are believing for. Don't be a kidnapped individual who is partnered with the kidnapper. Come out of partnership with the devil hear me guys sin is partnership with the devil put that in the comments sin is partnership with the devil yes we all fall short but if you are practicing sin you are walking in partnership and covenant with the devil and the problem with that is that but let me let me give you an example if you invite the enemy into any area of your house he can touch every area of your house. Hear what I'm saying? So if you invite the enemy into your house in gossip, the Bible says where there is strife, there is every evil work. 
So when we partner with the devil, some of you think you're you're like, Pastor, I do right by my money, but you but you're in partnership with sin in these other areas. And so when the, the enemy comes, he doesn't steal, kill, and destroy in compartments. He don't go, oh, Sean just gave me gossip. That's the only thing I can touch. He comes for everything. And many of you, you didn't know this. So in years past, you lived reckless and you gave the enemy access. And now you're trying to kick the enemy out of your family. There, come on, babe. You got to partner with God or the devil. There is no neutral ground. Put that in the comments. There is no neutral ground. That's why I am so adamant about living right besides the fact that it pleases God. Is that there is no middle ground. If I entertain sin, I am partnering with the devil and I can't get the devil out of my house in one area when I've invited him into another area. I hope this is making sense to you. I'm going to give you these five things and then we're done for today. Five things in your call to action. This is what Pastor Ellen and I are believing for as a result of this series. We This is what we're believing. Our position of faith for this series intercessors if y'all are praying pray for these things i want you to begin to with this is our position of faith what are we believing that what's going to happen to fellowship of champions as a result of this teaching number one a heightened sense of righteousness second corinthians 5 and 21 he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him, a heightened sense of righteousness. What is a heightened sense of righteousness? I have been made righteous, therefore I live right. That is the position of the righteous. I have been made righteous, therefore I live right. So we are believing God for a heightened sense of righteousness for every believer in the world, but specifically FOC. I, Jesus made me righteous, therefore I live right. Number two, a heightened God consciousness, Acts 17 and 28, for in him we live, we move and exist, even as some of your poets have said, for we are also his children. In him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. So if I live in him, I move in him, I have my being in him, I don't think do things that please him. I must be more conscious of God, not just in church, not just in prayer. I must be conscious of God when I'm driving, conscious of God when I'm in work, conscious of God when I'm on the phone. I must become more conscious of God, a heightened God consciousness. Number three a heightened responsibility to spiritual growth and maturity. A heightened responsibility to spiritual growth and maturity. Romans 12 and 2 says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And number three simply says, I am committing to grow up. I am committing to grow up. Number four. A heightened commitment to winning the lost and making disciples. A heightened commitment to winning the lost and making disciples. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Go and make disciples. 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples all the commandments I have given you. No, Do you notice this? I think this is so interesting about this passage of scripture. Jesus does not say, bring them to me and let them be. He says, no, you teach them all the things I told you. You teach them that. Teach them to live righteous. Teach them to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Teach them to serve. Teach them to, 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 to live a crucified life. Teach the new disciples to obey. Teach them to obey. You, you go and make them. You obey and you teach them to obey. We got to do a better job of teaching the people God to obey. Oh, um, number five, the last one, a heightened resolve to live aligned to the kingdom agenda. A heightened resolve to live aligned to the kingdom agenda. I know that many of you have dreams. Every dream you have must be brought into subjection to the kingdom agenda. If God wants you to build a business, it's for the kingdom. If God wants you to teach school, it's for the kingdom. If God wants you to pastor, start a ministry. If God wants you to be a stay-at-home mom. If God wants you to be an engineer, an architect, an electrician. Everything you do must be for the kingdom. And while we are there, we are looking to heal the sick. We are looking to raise the dead. We are looking to cure those with diseases. And we are looking to cast out demons. Freely we have received, freely we give. Now, what is my call to action for you? What is my call to action to you? None of this matters unless you do two things. You got to do two things. You got to choose to care about what I just said. And then you have to be intentional in your living. Those are your two steps. What do I have to do? I must choose to care. Am I going to make a choice that I care more about God's agenda than my own? Am I going to choose to care? Do I choose to care about souls? And then I have to be intentional because it's not enough to choose to care. I love it. Etoy said, I choose to care and I will be intentional. I got to choose to care and be intentional. I want to give you some ways that you can be intentional. I can be intentional about praying for the lost on a regular basis. I can be intentional about looking for and taking opportunities to share the gospel with others. I can be intentional about investing in my own spiritual growth. I can be intentional about discipling other believers. And I can be intentional about living my life as a life that reflects Jesus. Those are the things that I can do. So we're going to be teaching about this, this kingdom alignment. But I got to choose to care. Who is coming to a new level of care as a result of this teaching today? Who is coming into a new level of being intentional as a result of this today? Maybe some of you went, man, Pastor Sean, I didn't know. Man, Pastor Sean, I didn't realize that I was being so selfish. I didn't realize that I was so self-consumed. I didn't realize that I, 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 didn't, I wasn't aligned to the kingdom agenda. I didn't realize that I was putting all the responsibility on the pastors and other people to go in. No, but, but, but I'm choosing to care and I'm choosing to be intentional. I'm choosing to think about my interactions in every place. And I'm going to tell you this. I really believe God is calling us to another level of sanctification. He's saying, bring me your whole life. 
because I want to use your life as light because there are people that are looking at you and they, and they're, I'm going to use you to bring them to me. You know, it's one of the things that I think about in my life. There's a scripture and I don't know where it is, but it says, um, not everything is lawful. It's not unlawful, but it's not expedient. I feel like there's so many times believers want to take so many liberties that we don't consider what that liberty can do to other people. Now, hear me. I'm not saying we should live in bondage. I am saying that as a believer, you need to understand there are going to be things that you may want to do. There may be things that may even be okay for other people, but the Holy Spirit will restrain you because he wants to set you as a light to bring others. And the thing that I have learned in all of these years of ministry is that people will laugh with you if you're a believer who lives any kind of way, but they won't follow you. Thank you, babe. First Corinthians 6 and 12, you say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And the truth of it is, is that many of us have become slaves to our own agenda and our own flesh. And I, I really want you to hear this. As a born again believer, you need to understand that people will, as the old people say, they will kiki and ha ha with you if you go out and drink with them. They will kiki and ha ha with you. Uh, 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 if you if you say that you celebrate that you but you end up laying up and sleep with somebody they will they will kiki and ha ha with you but they will not follow you to him because they don't see enough of him in you to be worth following and I really do thank God I thank God that for a heart and a desire to say are there things in our life that we have wanted to do and maybe those things weren't seen, but they would have compromised our witness. Absolutely. There have been times, everybody knows Pastor Edwin and I, you know, if you have a wedding, the one thing that we ask, babe, please have you a good reception. We both love to dance, but I have been on the dance floor and certain song comes on and the Lord like, you go make your way on off this thing because the people don't need to see you dancing to that. And I think that's the thing that we're so busy taking our liberty. We're like, I can do what I want to do. But let me ask you a question. What's the cost of you doing what you want to do? Yeah, you can cuss at home, but what does that teach your kids? Yeah, you can drink a bottle of wine every night, but what does it teach your family? Yeah, you can go, you, you can do those things. But what does it do to impact your witness? And the one thing that I have found in my life it's very interesting to me. Very rarely has a heathen attacked the way that I live. Typically, if I've been out with somebody in work situations or whatever and at a conference and they say, I, I, I say, I don't drink. And they say, well, why don't you drink? And I say, well, I'm just a believer and I just don't believe that I'm supposed to drink. They have a lot of respect that the, the, the only people that I have found that really, really struggle with righteous living is carnal Christians because we don't want that we don't want the conviction 
I want you to drink with me so there's no conviction. I want you to sleep around too because there's no conviction. I want you to curse too to, because there's no conviction. And so many of you, the Lord is calling you to another level of sanctification. Don't worry about what the next man do. You do what the Lord is telling you to do because the benefit of that is that you'll get an opportunity that somebody you didn't even know was watching you will say, hey, BJ, I notice how you live for the Lord. Can you tell me how to do that? So that's the teaching for today. If you want to rededicate your life today, because after this teaching, you may feel like you need to worry about your, you may want to rededicate your life. If you want to rededicate your life today, just put a one in the comments. Lord, I want to rededicate my life. This teaching has convicted me. I want to offer myself to you in a new way. I want to offer myself in a, a, a new, I want to, I'm ready for a new level of sanctification. I want to rededicate my life. Or I want to give my life to the Lord for the first time. I realized today that I really ain't really never gave my life to the Lord. Amen. We see that, BJ. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Latoya, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Man, that's beautiful. Never feel ashamed about rededicating your life to the Lord. Anytime that you feel that your life has gotten away from the Lord, you rededicate, you bring yourself back to the Lord. I bring myself back to the Lord. I, offer, I come into, praise the Lord for Kim. We have three people today rededicating their life to the Lord. How exciting. Y'all ought to give some praise for that. You know, listen, um, hell lost another one. And the devil thought he had you, but Jesus said you are his. Tamara Scott, praise the Lord for people rededicating their life. Now we want to go back to this thing. We want to live with resolve for the Lord, with a righteous standard for the Lord. If you're not a partner of this ministry and you want to be a partner of the ministry, today is a great day today. You could be a partner of the ministry. Praise God. Kelvin, I love it when we see a man come on, come on in here. Men want to live for the Lord too. You want to become an FOC partner, go to WW www.focchurch.com and scroll down and complete the partnership form. Man, that's five people right there that have re-given their life to the Lord. You ought to be heart and fire and all of that different stuff. And I pray that you will keep your life firmly in the hand of the Lord. And I decree and declare that everything that was interfering with you living for the Lord be burned up by fire in Jesus' name. Because we have souls to win. We have a kingdom to pursue. We have people to snatch out of darkness. And you, and as Pastor Ellen said, you can't rescue the kidnapper in partnership with the kidnapper. Praise the Lord. So listen, if you want to sow today, and I know you do want to sow today because listen, that was some good teaching right there. You can give, give a five push, pay timely, text to give, or if you're an international partner, PayPal at FOC Church in WA. Listen, I know we got a little time, but I want to tell y'all this because I want you to get ready. You know what happens in July, guys? Scholarship fund, scholarship fund. Get ready for July. We thank you guys for everything you do every July to be able to fund scholarships. Scholarship drive July 1st through July 31st, 2023. Also, I want to tell you this. Um, you're going to see me start to announce this later on today and tomorrow. But in the month of June, um, I am calling a fast. Um, I have two options for fast. If you are on my Sean Strickland email list, you got that. We're going to be fasting and praying in the month 
of June because we are believing God for this message that I'm talking about right now for there to be a great manifestation. I would love for you to come and fast with us. We have two options. And on um, midnight on June 1st, I am going to open us up, kick us off in the month of June with prayer. And throughout the month, I'm going to have um, many of our intercessors have agreed to partner with me. I'm going to get past Edwin on to do some teaching with me. And in the month of June, we're really going to press because what does the Bible say? It says, tear your heart, not your garment. And so we are really believing God for massive souls, massive deliverance, massive repentance and massive transformation. And I want you to come and to fast with me. Don't worry if you've never fasted no food before. We got two fasts for you because I know that everybody hasn't done it. But how many of you know that God wants to do something great in this world and there is going to be an end time harvest of souls? And how many of you going to be a part of what God is doing? I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. So be sure to sow your seed today. Um, let's name our seed something today. Let's name our seed alignment today. So if you give online, it's got that little box. I want you to put alignment. This is your alignment seed today. I'm coming to alignment with the kingdom. I'm sowing my tithe in alignment with the kingdom. I'm sowing my, I, I'm sowing my life. I'm sowing my money. I'm sowing my time. I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. We love you guys so much. I'm so excited. I, we're about to go over here and be a part of the huddle. We hope to see you. What's the next huddle day? The next huddle will be June the 11th at 11 a.m. June the 11th at 11 a.m. We hope to see you here. Arkansas, baby, y'all can drive. You can drive to the huddle, get to the huddle. Those DMV people gather together, get to the huddle. Man, we're believing God for amazing things. We love you. And I just want to pray over you, Father. I thank you for our partners. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. I thank you for that our hearts are being turned towards you and that anything in our life that does not please you is being burned up by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Father, you, we have been commissioned for such a time as this to bring many people into the kingdom and to advance your kingdom. And we're going to do it. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We glorify you. We honor you. And we love you in Jesus name. Amen. We'll see you this week. God bless you.